Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mean Old Lion Media and Sunseeker TV, in association with Carl Anthony Payne Entertainment, present Black Arm of the Law. All right, all right, all right, all right. Welcome Black, welcome Black, welcome Black to another episode of Black Arm of the Law. I am your host, the one and only Carl Anthony Payne. Black again, Black like I never left. Black is ever Black AF. Today, we are joined by none other than Brenda Andrews. She is the incoming noble national president, retired from the Detroit Police Department as a deputy chief with over 25 years of dedicated public service. She was promoted through the ranks from police officer to deputy chief, becoming the first female in the department's history to administer and control the police department's $400 million budget. So needless to say, she is good with numbers and good with math and $30 million in state and federal grants. I'm going to have to holler at her afterwards. I might need to get myself a Detroit driver's license. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Brenda Andrews. Well, first of all, congratulations. Congratulations. That's correct. Uh, I think we were asking, were you the first? So you're not the first woman who have who has been president. Is that correct? No, there's been many women that have been president. We've had uh, a couple of females that have been executive directors. So we have had our footprint in Noble. Awesome. Awesome. Well, once again, congratulations. So tell us a little bit about where you're from. I am from Detroit, the Motor City, Motown. You know, through the years, uh, from the riots in the 60s all the way to uh, bankruptcy of our big three they had to be bailed out. Then we had the bankruptcy that uh, hit Detroit in 2013 for retirees. And that was a pivotal moment because many of the retirees, police and fire, were in jeopardy of not losing their pensions, but having them impaired. And the city was coming back from some bad times. It's a product of mismanagement as well. And uh, retirees, uh, at the end, retirees lost medical benefits. And our respective departments had told us, well, you work 25, 30 years, you retire, you have your benefits, you have your medical benefits. And people depended, you know, on that. And uh, we went to court, but, you know, we lost in court. We kept our pensions, but we lost medical benefits. And for many people, that's that's devastating because medical benefits can be very expensive, especially as you um, start to get older. You know, some you know, you know, as you get up there in age, I'm starting to find out a lot of <laughs> you start to visit the doctor a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, right now we are definitely on the on the rebound. Some things have, have happened. Some some new energy, uh, new developments. You know, a lot of energy and synergy in the city of Detroit. The pandemic certainly has been a setback for you know virtually everyone. So you know we're kind of I don't want to say crawling back, but coming back. You know to that. You know, the workforce and everybody's experiencing that now, especially, you know, the hiring and recruiting of police officers. If I could take a moment with that. All over the country right now, they're looking for 
police, uh, whether it's your federal agencies, local or state, you know, state police. But this has been something that and a lot of people like to say, well, the times of George Floyd and a lot of those things that happened has caused the shortage of police officers. But it's really been trending through the years in terms of losing police officers and not being able to replace them as quickly, especially people of color. Now, I ran recruiting in Detroit. I was responsible for hiring and recruiting, and I had to recruit and hire 200 officers in a year. So that's a daunting task, even in good times. So I think what happened is over time, when police departments had a lot of officers, we always say we don't have enough officers, but over time, when things are good, then you kind of take your eye off of, you know, recruiting and hiring. You continue doing it, but it doesn't seem like it's, you know, dire. And so we really didn't keep up that energy in hiring and recruiting. And then when you do have something that happens, like some of the incidents, uh, George Floyd and, you know, these many different things that have gone on, you know, throughout the country and officers have left or they retired, then you fill the void. And it's been difficult getting people into police service. And lastly, I want to just say something to your listeners about black officers or African-American officers. They have never come to police departments in, in big numbers. Uh, white officers, they usually have a legacy in the family of the father, the grandfather. You know, they've been in policing a long time. So, you know, they come willingly and quickly to the police department. Us as African-Americans, having not served in police departments like that, didn't have that long line of legacy. So it was a little more difficult getting us through the door just because of, you know, our negative perception of the police. We weren't so eager to join. Well, let me let me just touch on a few things. There's, there's so much to unpack here. Uh, first of all, uh, I, I think that when we say negative perception, I think that, that, you know, some of these perceptions are realities with regards to the police and the, the dealings with the black and brown community, which would also go back to how the police department actually started um, and, and what policing and how that was even created, what it stood for. A lot of the um, obstacles, if you will, uh, with regards to us being a part of a lot of things, including the police department, had obviously had to do with the color of our skin. So, you know, th again, th you know, there's a there's an origin and then there's a domino effect of these things. And then and then there's a, it takes us so much to try to turn all of those things around and try to fix some of those things or try to mend. So, if you will, and bridge those gaps. You said that there's so many th th there's there's a, a need, if you will, for police officers. Right. And, and you had the daunting task of trying to recruit over 200 within a year. Now, when that happens, and that's just just you, and you're just one person in one one place. If this is happening everywhere, right? How do you avoid skipping steps? How does one, or how does the police department avoid a bad vetting system? Um, you know, without letting you know, how do you determine the good ones versus? Uh, does it make sense what I'm what I'm what I'm getting at? Yeah, I, I see where you're going. Okay. You know, I think you have to keep your processes in place, you know, ethically. Uh, you can't drop the ball and say, well, I'm going to ease up on this because police departments have done that and it's turned out very poorly. You know, they just let people ease past some of the requirements. And then once they get on, these become some of your problem officers. And at the end of the day, they cost you a lot of money because they generate lawsuits and all of that. So, 
I told my team at the time, I said, we're not going to drop any of our requirements. We're going to keep very stringent to our hiring guidelines. And no matter what it takes, I said, we'll get the numbers, but we're going to make sure that we have quality officers, not quantity, but quality. I know the chief wants, you know, 200, but I rather explain to him that I got 150 quality officers than 200 officers, not up to par. And then down the road, you know, these 30 or 40 are in trouble all the time in lawsuits. And we've had that happen. All departments have had that happen. So I think the key is you must stick to your your standards. You must do that. I think lawsuits are, are you know, the <laughs> lawsuits are the bare minimum now. You know, I mean, I think the things that the community is more concerned with is the loss of our, you know, loss of yeah. lives, you know, from, you know, from that process not being handled properly. So you as president, what are your missions? What's your goal? What, what things do you plan on um, implementing? We all want to do so much, but it's only so much time. We're in for a year and we are a volunteer organization. No one gets paid for this except for the staff and the executive director. So really, when we come to Noble to work in the community, it's a, it's a labor of love. It's because we want to give back and we want to make sure there's fair and equitable uh, treatment, you know, of our people, of all people, our motto, justice by action. But three of the things I, I will be pushing initiative. One is to get out the vote. I think it's very important for us, especially in our communities of color, that we vote. And Noble has the platform to talk to young people about the importance, you know, of voting. And voter suppression, we, we're not going to go on and on about that, but we know, you know, that has happened and it's happening right now in certain states throughout the country to try to disenfranchise, you know, many people. So I said, well, let's use our platform to talk to the community, to talk to our young people, because in some communities, they're looking at having 17-year-olds vote, actually vote, and we're not against that. Uh, I know in Michigan, you can register at 17 and a half and vote uh, as long as you're 18 on that day. So, you know, we need to deal with our youth and we have some youth committees. So we're going to start that awareness and that education, kind of that old civics class that I know I went to. I don't know about you, but you used to have civics and they took that out of the class. That kind of talked about it. So we're going to kind of go back to some of those, some of those basics. So that's one initiative, the GOTV, to get out the vote, voter education. The second uh, pillar is gun safety. There's so much about guns and this and that, but I just want to take one slice that I think we're not really talking about, and that's how many children are killed by unsecured weapons in the home, unattended weapons. A few weeks ago, there was two kids from, I believe it was Baton Rouge in Missouri, and Detroit has had any number of them where kids are just getting the guns off the table, wherever adults have left them, and they're dying. It's mostly happening in black neighborhoods. Our children or any child, any child losing their life is important. So no, I want to take that, just that portion of it, that one that's not being talked about. It doesn't get that sensationalism that we get from, you know, other types of shootings. But when you start adding it up, you know, especially these, I'm talking about young children under five years old, when you start adding those numbers up, it's a lot of, a lot of kids, a lot of kids that are dying. 
in this. So that's going to be an initiative, you know, that we're going to put a lot of energy into. And my third pillar is what we were just talking about, recruiting and hiring. And I want to use, you know, my voice and my platform and the voices of the police officers and all the executives that are part of NOVA. We have about 4,000 members. So that's a lot of, a lot of voices out there to tell them uh, the importance of joining your police department of women joining, of, you know, men, everybody coming and joining and being part of that solution. And so they need to hear from people that look like me, people that look like, you know, them to come out in the communities and help police departments get that message. And we want to leverage social media. Uh, police departments have done better with that. But Noble, I said, we got to go where they are, you know, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, you know, wherever it is, we got to put our messages on those those platforms. So those are the three pillars that Noble is going to develop and talk about and, and champion over the next uh, year or so. That sounds awesome. That's awesome. We often talk to here on the show, some black officers that are not in Noble and, and we mention the organization often to them. So what are, what are some of the efforts that you're going to do to get more officers to join Noble. Well, one of the charges, and and we're divided up into regions, and I won't you know bore the audi- audience with that. But we're going to have to do more of the outreach. I think just what I was saying. We have many of our young people out there that could join Noble. We have to be on the platforms that they are on now. Like I said, whether it's TikTok or Instagram, you know, we find a lot of people on LinkedIn. You know, more professionals. A lot of them are on LinkedIn. So we have to leverage, you know, all of that. We have a a media team that's going to help, you know, strategize this campaign. And that's going to be one of the things that uh, I'm going to charge, you know, all of our members are doing it. All of us, you know, have an opportunity to use our social media. We have our chapters. They all have websites or Facebook pages. And we're just going to have to do more of an outreach and work with the community, you know, and be able to get these officers uh you know, into Nova and let them know the benefits of Nova. Nice. So let me ask you a question. What do you think, um, what's your opinion and comments on the state of policing, not only in Detroit, but around the country at this present time? I think the state of policing is at a pivotal, you know, moment. The pendulum, you know, has swung many different ways, you know, in policing. I think the state of policing now will improve. And it sometimes it doesn't look like it's going to improve. But when I come to the Noble Conference and I see several thousand, you know, law enforcement officers from all over the all over the country, and that, that includes federal, you know, they're trying to do something in their community, trying to do something in their departments. You know, it, it's optimistic. We have a lot of work to do. Yes. But we have to work with the community. And that's one of the things Noble talks about. I have a, I will have a civic and community engagement committee and we will augment what police departments are doing, but using our platform to get out and, and talk to the community, do some things where police departments sometimes can't do. Let's not forget the politics of, you know, in policing. And I understand that, you know, you work for somebody and you can't say this, but Noble can. And we can go into those places and, and say the kinds of things that, you know, maybe other police departments are, you know, don't feel comfortable saying or, or can't say. Or sometimes officers are working in a certain types of police departments where they don't feel comfortable. And that's where Noble can come in. We're not, we don't do 
legal. We're not NAACP. A lot of people think we are. We're not a union, but we can get in front of, of issues and speak to them. And we have, you know, through time. We ask that officers, you know, just come on and join. There's committees, there's call to actions, and that's what I'm we'll be doing over this next year is you know, a call to action. Let's be proactive in some of the things that affect our community. And I want to appeal, the other thing, I want to appeal to to young officers. But we need, every, you know, everybody, you know, especially our young officers. That's why I want to put a lot of energy into our youth group, bringing young people. When I say young people starting at 14, you know, 14 years old. Mm-hmm. We have a program, the Law in Your Community. The Law in Your Community is kind of an interactive program, and we show young people what to do when stopped. And that seems to be where a lot of things go wrong on traffic stops. You know, it, it is, you know, it, it's, it's a two part situation, but the onus and it starts with the police officers because a lot of the times it's their posture is what causes a lot of these things to happen. You can be just as compliant as possible. You can be as, as yes, sir, no, sir, all you want, you know, but these, these officers are the ones that are very aggressive in those situations for a simple uh, traffic violation, for a simple uh, a stop sign situation or, or left signal or light being out, you know, it's, it's more, more times than not, especially in the black and brown community. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't educate our black and brown youth to know how to, uh, we should make them lawful. We should definitely make them lawful in terms of knowledgeable of the law. Number one. And number two, uh, I've seen, you know, with the help of cell phones and with the help of recordings. Now it is it has been, you know, more and more we are shining the light on what a lot of these issues and problems and where they begin and start. So, again, I can agree with you partly in terms of, you know, um, educating our youth with regards to how to respond. But it, you know, in my opinion, it starts with the officers. I think we're both agreeing to the to the same thing. Dr. I didn't hear you say that. I didn't hear you say nothing about the officers. <laughs> I, had, I didn't get to that part. I was telling you about the part. Oh, OK. OK. I didn't get to that. But I think we're on the same page, Mr. Carl. <laughs> yes. Yes, Miss Lady Ma'am. Yeah. Yeah, I was just telling you about our our program. Certainly, you know, it's that. And certainly it starts with the office. And we can take it back to it starts with training, starts with what's going on in academy training with their supervision. You know, we can take it all up and down, you know, those lines. There are problems. And police departments do recognize it. Some don't recognize it as quickly as they should until an incident happens. And then, you know, they want to do something about it or try to justify it. So, you know, I don't think any of us stand, I know Nova doesn't, for those kinds of things, the wrongdoing, you know, officers that, uh, you know, should be disciplined, officers that should be actually fired. And that kind of goes back to our conversation on recruiting. You really have to pay attention on who you bring through the door. Now, that doesn't say that they don't, that apple doesn't get spoiled somewhere along the line. But it is, the onus is on police departments to monitor problem officers and then do something, you know, about it. And and yes, we recognize that as, as an issue. And certainly, you know, as we're moving forward and we're talking about police reform, I think that's possibly at the top of, of many police departments list. You know, how to maintain integrity, you know, how to make sure uh, there's transparency dealing with the community and how we go about disciplining 
and weeding out, you know, these problem officers. I guess we are saying this thing. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> but Mr. Carlson, can I come back and talk to you again since we're on the same Absolutely, day? absolutely. I know you got to go uh, feed, right feed the family. It's all good. Uh, no, I thank you for being here with us today. I appreciate you taking the time out um, at what little time we actually had. Um, and, I, and I look forward to us continuing this dialogue. And I look forward to all the things that you're going to do this year with Noble as well. Uh, please let us know how we can support in any way possible to help push some of those initiatives uh, that you are charging not only Noble, but the rest of the community as well to uh, be a part of. So we thank you and we uh, we salute you. I appreciate the invitation and you have a great evening. You as well. Okay. Bye-bye now. Black Arm of the Law is hosted by Carl Payne. Produced by Ken Johnson, Bart Phillips, and Carl Payne. Consulting producers, FBI Special Agent Retired Don Taylor and FBI Special Agent Retired George Graves. Edited by Rick Chill. Theme music by Jeff Redd, courtesy of Soul Real Records. Executive producers, Ken Johnson and Bart Phillips. Find Black Arm of the Law on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Black Arm of the Law is a mean old lion media production. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.